So I'm excited to uh, be able to share with you all this morning. If you can make your way back to your seats, that'd be awesome. All right. So as Justin said, my name's Derek. Uh, I am married to a beautiful girl from Charleston, West Virginia. Her name's Bray. We got married last July. Um, if you don't know me, uh, you got a little bit of the intro from Justin. Uh, Bray and I get to lead the youth ministry every Wednesday night. Um, we love doing that. We've been doing it for a while now. It feels like we just started, but it's actually coming up on three years, which sounds crazy to say now, but uh, that's where we are. So uh, we're in the middle of this series called Fight, and uh, it's called Round Two because we did this series once before. If you haven't been with us, we started this about two weeks ago, and we've covered two really important topics so far. So if you've missed those, check out the podcast online. You can see some, uh, well, you can hear some good stuff from that. But I just wanted to give you a little recap of those two weeks to kind of get you caught up if you haven't been here. Um, that first week, we talked about knowing your foe. Because this whole thing's about a fight, and guess what? You can't fight if you don't know who you're fighting against, right? That wouldn't make any sense. Uh, and in that week, we talked about knowing that our foe isn't against flesh and blood, which is just church word for against people, right? It's against the devil. But also, Justin gave us this uh, good thought that sometimes we can be our own foe because we know that we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory, from what God's already accomplished, right? We know that the battle's already won. We know that we stand in a place of being victorious, but he left us with this, uh, this quote that I really love that I'm going to share with you now. It says, the devil's attacks won't work if you don't cooperate with them. And that was just like, mm, that's good. That's, that's like the gem from the week for me because the devil's going to try and do things with you, but since we've already won, since we already have, since we already have the Holy Spirit in us, since we already have God on our side, it's all a lie. It's all an attack from the, the devil. It's all just a roar. Justin even called him like a big, a big cat, a big lion. It's just a roar. He can't do anything unless we allow him to. So that was week one, and then last week we talked about the Lord's power. And I'm just going to share with you from that about what I took home from it, because uh, the thing that stuck with me is that it's made specifically for you. God's strength is made specifically for you. I mean, you think of that, and you think about God's power, and it's made specific for each of, specifically for each of us. It's just... It's mind-boggling to me, right? Like, we're going to be in Ephesians today uh, and for the next few weeks. And one of my favorite verses from Ephesians is chapter 2.10, and it says that we're God's handiwork, created in the image of Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand for us to walk in. So that just means that the problems were already there before he made us. So he didn't make you for a problem, right? He already knew what needed to be done so he could make you specifically able to do it. Isn't that so good? Does that make sense? It's like if you have a nail to pound in, he could make a hammer to hit that nail. It's not like uh, he made you first as a wrench and then a nail came about and it's like, well, now I have to pound in the snail with a wrench. No, it's not like that. He made you afterwards so you could be specifically made for the problems in your life. It's so good. So today we're going to be getting into finally the armor of God. But before we get into uh, the belt of truth that Justin mentioned, I wanted to give you a little bit of a backdrop on the book of Ephesians because I think real change in our lives, uh, the real experience we can like start to live out is when we really understand the scripture, right? We, we don't just pick verses here and there that sound good and that we like, but we really understand what's going on. I think that 
Real understanding leads to real change. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Ephesians. Uh, this is a letter that Paul wrote. I'm sure many of you know who Paul was, right? He was a missionary that actually went to the capital of this Roman province called Ephesus. That's why the book's called Ephesians, right? But there's some stuff that's going on in Ephesus outside of this letter that is so important for the book of Ephesians, okay? So what's going on in this province, this town of Ephesus? is that there is a temple there called the Temple of Artemis, okay? What is that? That is a pagan god, pagan goddess, that this town absolutely thrived on. In fact, Ephesus was called the nurturer to Artemis. Why is it called that? Because guess what? This temple was there that was a huge deal that people in Ephesus knew about, that people outside of Ephesus knew about, that people used as a source of income, you see in the book of Acts, when Paul is in Ephesus, that he meets this man named Demetrius who actually makes idols for this pagan goddess and sells them for his income. So guess what? Now you have Paul coming, setting this church in this town that's not just messing with people's beliefs because they believe in the pagan goddess Artemis. That's one really important thing in your life, right? But guess what? Paul's taking money out of their pocket because guess who's not buying idols when they give their lives to Jesus? All those people. So you're getting people who are not only pagan worshipers who are pretty ticked off, but you're getting people who might not even believe in that pagan, but are making a profit off of it, starting to get pretty upset. So now you have this letter addressing people in the church of Ephesus, Paul's church the established, right? Jesus' church. He's sending this letter now to be like, okay, I set up this church. I left you guys there, but I didn't abandon you. Use what I'm about to tell you for your good, right? So I want to go through just a snapshot of each chapter leading up to uh, the last one when we finally see the armor, because I think it's super important. So you can uh, probably see on your screens now. Chapter one, Paul ultimately starts with praising God for these new believers. And what's key there is that they're new believers, right? They're people who've just come to know what Jesus did for them. Yeah. And then chapter two, he's like, okay, all right, I know you're new, right? Thank God for your belief. I thank God every day that you're a believer. I thank, every, I thank God every day for you. But I need to remind you that you're fully able to do what you're doing in Ephesus. I need to remind you that you're completely, completely equal with one another. Yeah, there are some of you that are Gentiles there, and you've been told that because you're a Gentile, this wasn't for you. But guess what? It's, it is for you. And it's just as much for you as it is for the Jewish people. You're all equal. You're all able to do this. You're all accepted. And then in Paul 3, in Paul 3, chapter 3, Paul, Paul encourages them with his own testimony. He says, look at me. Like, I was the worst of the worst. I was literally killing Christians, and look what God's done through me. You don't think you can do this? Look at me. And then in chapter 4, you'll see, as we go on, he challenges them. How, I mean, Paul is just like, he's a very stereotypical preacher, right? Like, he's going to start with a praise, encourage you, and then he's going to give you a challenge, and then he's going to end with something good that, you know, it's coming. So he challenges them to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of their lives. And then he slaps the title of saint on them, as if that's not like, what, you just called me a saint? And guess what? This is going to be important as we look at these first five chapters because it all connects with what Paul tells us about the armor of God. And it's so good and it's so cool when you can understand what he's doing in these uh, chapters leading up to it. Because we put chapters on the book of Ephesians. When Paul write, wrote this, it was a letter. It was all one piece, right? So 
Paul challenges them, walk in a manner worthy of the calling that Jesus called on your life. You're a saint. Walk in love. Walk in unity. All these things you're going to see that are so important when we get into the armor of God. So now that we got a good idea of what Paul said before he led up to the armor, uh, we can get into that now. Because that first five chapters, this first five, Paul was basically saying, hey, look, you're a new believer, and this is the, these are the things that I want you to do. And he gives them a list of some really difficult things to do. If you look in chapter four and chapter five, you're going to see he tells them to, to not get angry, to not get angry, to not sin, to be against sexual immorality, to watch their mouths, to watch what they say. He even gets is in-depth to say, don't be crude with your joking. Don't be crude with what you say. Be kind. Be forgiving as you've been forgiven. And if you're a new believer, which these people were, in the middle of a town that is surrounded with people that you are just making matter and matter by what you're saying and preaching, you're going to be like, oh, man, Paul was here. Now he's gone. He, we're just here now. All these people in town are ticked at us. What are we going to do? Not on top of that. Only on top of that, we have to do all these other things too. How am I supposed to do all this? Well, guess what? Paul ends with chapter 6, the armor of God, with the resolution of how we can do this. Okay? Does that make sense? Yeah? I, you all with me still? Okay, cool. I felt like I had to tell you all that beforehand because I think it just makes this easier to understand. And when you understand it, I think that's going to lead to real change. So Paul begins with the belt of truth. So Paul gives us this image that he is inspired by, by the Holy Spirit to, to use this Roman soldier as image for people to understand about these pieces of armor that we have that are spiritual armor. So he's using physical Roman soldier armor to use as a metaphor for this spiritual armor that almost all the pieces are invisible, except for the one that I'm going to talk about today, the belt of truth. It's the only piece of spiritual armor that you can see. And the belt of truth is the word of God. It's the Bible that we have. So when you think of a Roman soldier, you don't really think about a belt to start off with. So it's kind of weird that Paul starts with the belt of truth because you have this tall soldier with a, like a really big helmet on with feathers on the top and a massive shield and a really bright, shiny breastplate and these shoes with giant spikes on them. And Paul decides to start with the belt that he's wearing, the piece that you can't even really see when you would look at a soldier. And it, and it kind of makes you want to pause and be like, okay, why are we starting with the belt? This, this seems so insignificant. It seems like something that you could even go on without if you like forgot it. Like most of the time I, I even forget to put a belt on. Like What's the deal, Paul? Why, why a belt? Well, a belt was actually and arguably the most important part of armor that a soldier could have because this belt held everything on them in place. Literally, their shield fastened into it, right? So their shield re like rested on it. Their sword was able to be sheathed into the side of it so they didn't have to hold it. Their actual breastplate clicked into it. They had connections from the belt to uh, these pieces of metal that guarded their legs that connected to their shoes. Literally everything was held in place by the belt that the Roman soldier wore. So if you didn't have your belt fastened tightly around you, we'll see the scripture up on the scene. I'll, I'll uh, let you guys see that. It has to be on you and it has to be fastened tightly, right? And that's what Paul is saying, that the belt of truth, the word of God, the Bible needs to be in our lives. It needs to be fastened tightly on us. Without it being fastened tightly, things are going to start to fall apart. Without it being uh, fastened tightly around you, 
all the things that God has for you to use, all the pieces of armor that he's about to give you are going to become useless if you don't first have this in order. So I'm going to start by uh, describing the belt. It's this. It's that the, the belt equips us. Okay? So there's this popular saying. I'm sure you've heard it, that if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for everything. I, I'm sure you've heard that somewhere in your life before. And I think the same can be said about having the belt fastened tightly around us. But fortunately, right, we don't have to worry about not having a belt. We don't have to worry about forgetting our belt. We know that we have the scripture to get to, right? We know that we have the Bible that we can read. And without it, if you left it out, you'd be running off of, like, the fumes if you don't read it every day. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I want to read to you um, a piece of scripture about, about what God has to say, what the word is in our life, right? So in 2 Timothy Chapter 3, 16 and 17, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So God himself is saying that this word is completely from me. I literally breathed it out, and it's for you, and it's for you to be equipped in. It's for you to be equipped in. You need to have this on you, okay? And you need to be responsible for it. You need to be the one that gets into your scripture. Paul doesn't come out and say, read your Bible every day, but he says, fasten it tightly around you. So you can put that together for yourself, right? Like, what do you think fasten tightly means for the Bible in your life? Does it mean uh, once a month? Probably not. Does it mean once a week? Probably not. And it's, it's our responsibility. How silly would it be for you to rely on someone else to put your belt on for you every day. If I, if I went up to Bray this morning and was like, Bray, would you put my belt on? She would probably beat me with the belt for saying that to her <laughs> because that is ridiculous. That's silly. Why would anyone ask someone to do that? It's your responsibility. It's up to you. It's up to you to put your belt on. But guess what we do sometimes? We rely on church to put our belt on, right? We go to church Sunday, and we're like, oh, that, that is good. I'm going to start reading my Bible every day. That was so good. And then Monday comes, and it's like, oh, I don't know if I have time for it today. Maybe tomorrow. I'll wake up early tomorrow. Then tomorrow comes, and it's snooze, snooze. Oh, you know what? That's okay. Like, you know, I, I'll find some other way to get my belt on. I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll wait, I'll wait until uh, prayer or connect group, and then connect group comes, and you're like, oh, this is good, Right? But then there's another gap between Sunday, and, and then Sunday comes, and you've waited a whole week to get back into the Word, and you end up relying on church to put your belt on, when really, church should just be tightening your belt, right? Your belt should already be on. Sunday shouldn't be new. It should be reaffirming what you're already knowing from what you've done in the week on your own time. Isn't that good? I think that's good. So that's what the Scripture's going to do. It's going to equip us. It's going to hold everything together for us to be able to use the other pieces of armor that Paul's going to be talking about in the weeks to come that you'll hear from Justin. Uh, the second thing is that the belt strengthen, strengthens us. Now, uh, one of the verses that I always remember uh, reading from like when I was young was this one. It's John 14, 12, and it's the one where Jesus is teaching, and he says that, uh, you'll do, uh, if you believe in me, you'll do the same things I do and even greater things. And I remember reading that 
as like a middle school student and being like, greater things than Jesus? Like, no way, that's impossible. Well, you know, time has taught me that I think Jesus, what he really means in that is that like, you'll do greater in number of things than I do, right? Because, yeah, we have the same strength as the Lord, so we'll do the same things he does, but we'll do them in greater number because we are, as he says in his Great Commission, we're to go and to grow in number, yeah? Like, go and tell people about me. So that's how God's going to strengthen us with, with the word. It's meant that through his word, we are going to be able to reproduce, Yeah. Now, the point I want to make about this, and it, and it, is, it makes so much sense, um, so when you stop and think about it, you're like, wow, of course I would need to have the Word of God present in my life daily for us to succeed as a church in growing. Because remember, Paul's talking to a church that is in the middle of this town that is talking to other people, because they, they want to go tell people about Jesus, right? They want to grow in number. They want to take over Ephesus. They don't want it to be known for the temple of Artemis. They want it to be known for the church of Jesus Christ, right? And Paul says this. Well, Paul doesn't say this. The Bible says this, which I think is so good. Psalm 33, 9, it says, for he spoke and it came to be, he commanded and it stood firm. That's talking about God using his own words to create, right? How could we make the defense, I mean, you could try, but you sound pretty silly, make the defense that you don't need this scripture in your life to grow when God himself used it to create, right? How does that make any sense? If God needs it to create, if God spoke words to create, how could we ever think that we shouldn't use it to grow, right? And this is good for us as a church because that's what we're trying to do, right? It, one of the things that Justin was just saying was, you know, someone came here last Sunday and felt the love, right? The, the love of our church that we had, right? And this is the, the same thing that Paul is talking about in the leading up to chapter 6 in Ephesians. One of the things he says is be united in Christ, right? It's right after he talks about their acceptance. He talks about being united as one. It's like what Rachel was saying, you know, uh, how the church should support each other. Because you have all these new believers in Ephesus, and guess what? They're not going to succeed if they all work as one individually apart from each other. They need to work together, right? They need to be strengthened together. And it's cool that as you look through these first five chapters of Ephesians, and then you think about the armor that's coming in chapter 6, it all interludes with each other. It all connects. It's, it's really cool when you take the time to do the full understanding. I mean, Paul, Paul is such a, a talented writer. Uh, I'm sure you've uh, been to a wedding before and you've heard uh, Ephesians 5. When it, that's the one with the husbands and the, and the wives. And Paul even talks about presenting the church as radiant and beautiful. Well, he does that. This is just a side note that I thought was great. He does that because people talked about the temple of Artemis that way. So he's using, like, he's literally using that against them in, in this own letter to be like, hey, you've heard about how the temple is supposed to be like that? No, you're supposed to support the church as this. You're supposed to display the church as this. Walk in a manner worthy of what you're calling. Yeah, even if you don't feel righteous yet, walk in that manner anyway. Walk like what you're going to walk into right? You don't, feel, you don't feel it yet? Walk as if you already do. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And, you know, when the last point with this strengthens, it, I was studying for this, and I thought of what Justin said a few weeks ago when he was talking about um, Jesus and Peter's discussion about uh, 
the cornerstone of the church when Jesus tells Peter that he's going to build his church on him. And what he's really saying is that I'm going to build my church on what you just confessed, that, that Jesus is Messiah. He's literally building the church on his word because that is God's word. So there is just so many examples of this that correlate so well with what the word of God can do in our lives. So it keeps us equipped. It strengthens us. And then uh, lastly, it directs us. In a few minutes, if the worship team wants to come on back up, um, we'll be wrapping up soon. So a little side story here. Um, One of the biggest differences between Bray and I is that we have different points of view on directions for things. Uh, I'm the type who opens up something new and is looking at the directions, and then I look over and Bray's already has like every item out of the packaging, and she's already putting it together. And I'm like, wow, like you are so gifted in that way that I cannot do that. I am very single-minded. I am very like, I need a reference. I'm lost. Someone help me. Bray's not that way. Um, But guess what? She is that way for a reason. And uh, I learned that reason just this past Christmas. We were down in Charleston visiting her mom. And her mom wanted to have a fire outside. Uh, So me being the go-getter that I am, I was like, all right, I'll go start the fire. Uh, Yeah, I am a man. And no, I did not know how to start a fire. It's Yes, it's embarrassing. I know. So I go out there with um, just myself and every memory I have of any fire I've seen. Um, and I start to do the traditional, like, TP cone, you know, have the wood leaning up against each other. Like, you know, I'm like, this is going to work. Well, it didn't work. And uh, so I'm like, okay, what, what can I do? So me being the manly man that I am, I Googled the best way to start a fire. Ah, uh, yeah, that, I'm not proud, but I did it. And, and I'm like on, you know, page two of three of these different pages. And I look down and Bray's spraying oil on the fire, like on the flame. And her mom's throwing newspaper in it. And like the fire gets going. And uh, I'm like, okay, it's done. You know, it's cool. And uh, later Bray's mom comes up to me. I didn't even think of this point of view. And she says, you know, it's cool that you and Bray are so differently. Like, it's cool that like you can be so diligent in looking for the directions for things and that she can be a go-getter. Like you guys work well together like that. And I was like, yeah, I might argue that, but okay. And, uh, (laughs) but we have these differences, but what's cool is that we absolutely agree on the things that are most important, right? We might have differences on the opinion of directions, but we agree on the directions for our lives, right? We agree on the things that are most important. And that's what the scripture can do for us. Just as this belt was on the center of a soldier, the core of him, the scripture needs to be in the center of our lives too. And what that means is that it needs to be the ultimate governor of our life. It needs to be the final say-so. And the things that we tend to do sometimes as, as people, and we all do this, is sometimes we rely on our past experiences instead of the truth and God's word for decisions we make in our lives. So we need to stop and ask ourselves, is this truth or is this tradition? Am I doing this because this is how I've always seen it done? Or am I doing it because this is what God's word says I should do? 
And am I okay with this because I've always done it? Or should I really like check myself on this because it's something that Jesus would never be like caught doing and something that the Bible even speaks against doing, but have I just done it so much that I've become okay with it? But I think if we, if we get into the scripture more, if we actually challenge ourselves to get into it on a daily basis, then it'll be so clear on what the final say-so of our actions should be. And it'll be so clear on, on what should be the final rule that determines how we speak and how we act, right? Uh, one of the things that I always say to the, the students, you know, when I'm talking about Jesus to them, it's that Jesus came so that we could have a visual representation of how to speak and what to do. One of the things that Timothy writes about, I use this verse all the time, is that um, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. So you're thinking about Ephesus. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're a new believer. Be, be a standard for the Jesus follower in what you say and what you do, right? So we need to challenge ourselves I need to set the standard on what truth is and not the traditions that I've seen. I need to set a standard on what Jesus taught and not just what I've become okay with through what I've done. Um, so I'm going to close, and uh, I'd like to pray with you guys. Um, so as I was saying, you know, a lot of the times we become the governor of our own lives. We become the one who has the final say-so. Um, we become the one who uh, depicts what rules in our lives. But, um, you know, that's not the way that it's supposed to be. Jesus is supposed to be that. Um, so I'd just like to um, pray with you guys now. And, you know, maybe you're in a place where, you know, you're hearing all this and you're hearing about these new believers in, uh, in Ephesus and you're hearing about, like, these challenges and how to walk in life and you're hearing about all these tough things that Paul's saying to them. And uh, you're like, man, you know, I've been letting myself be the ruler. I've been letting myself uh, have the final say. So I, I want to walk in a, a manner worthy of, of the calling that God has in my life. I want to walk in love. I want to do that. Um, you know, if that's you, you can absolutely start that today. You know, if, if you're at a place where you don't have a relationship with Jesus and, and you want to hand over the reins to him to be the, the governor of your life, to be the the final say so of your life, you can absolutely do that today. So um, if everyone would just bow their heads, we'll just um, pray. God, I just thank you for um, for your word, Lord. I thank you for um, the understanding that you give us, Jesus, um, that we have all these resources that we're able to understand um, what's going on in, in each letter of the Bible, Jesus, that we don't just look at Ephesians and say, oh, it's just a letter to a church, but we can actually see, oh, Paul wrote this with a purpose, and he wrote it to a certain audience. Uh, and, you know, that audience might be some of the same people that we have in church today, Jesus. There might, you know, you could be a new believer here today. You could be someone who doesn't know Jesus yet today. Um, but, you know, if you, are, uh, if you are a believer who feels like you're new or feels like you're a child and you feel like you've stumbled and, and you need to get back on track with, with the, uh, the walk that, God calls us to, if you feel like you haven't been walking in a manner worthy of the calling on your life, you know, it's okay. We can pray about it right now. If that's you, like, you can just raise your hand right now, and, you know, we'll pray together, and you can get your life turned around in that way. 
and maybe, you know, maybe that's not you. Maybe you feel like you have everything on track, or maybe it's the complete opposite. Maybe you don't know Jesus, and maybe you want to give your life to him today. Maybe you want to say, you know, I've been, I've been the governor of my life. You know, I've, I've been depicting what I want to do and what I want to say, but Jesus, I'm, I'm done with that. I want, to, I want to put that down. I want to give my life to you, Lord. I need you, Jesus. And if that's you, you know, um, you can throw that hand up. You can even just look up at me if you don't want to move your hand, and, and you know, we can pray, and you know, your life can be completely changed today. And I believe that. I, you know, this isn't just some words in a book. This is life. This is God's truth. This is life changing. I truly believe it's life changing. Just in the same way that like the people in Ephesus needed Paul's word, God's truth, we need it today just as much. So Jesus, I thank you for the people who, who looked up, God. I thank you for the people that hear your word today, Lord, and want to change for you, Jesus. Yeah. One, of the, one of the last things you said was to go and tell people of your love, Jesus. God, I, Lord, I thank you for these, for these new um, believers, Jesus. God, let us rely on your word, Lord. Let us hold it fastly around us, God. Help us to be equipped and strengthened, God, by it. Help us to be directed by you, Jesus, from this day on, Lord. Um, I thank you for that, God. I thank you, Jesus. Um, And I just pray these things in, in your name. Amen.